Before we get started this morning, let me tell you why you should come tonight, right? Because tonight we have an opportunity for you to give a word of testimony um, about how good the Lord has been to you this year. And uh, you really ought to do that. It's going to be a baptism tonight, a series of testimonies, and a story connected with the baptism that's just amazing, just amazing. And a little short message, you know how they always are, very short, and tonight. If you are a little person, I'd like you to stand up. If you're 12 years old or younger, would you stand up right where you are? Where's Hudson? Is he in a nursery? Hey, look who's over here. we got guests, Pastor Bresnaw. Why don't you stand up and say hi? Let's give him a round of applause here. He's over 12. But... <laughs> We're so glad they're with us. Okay, you that are 12 and under, come down here. Come on, just come down here and sit over here on his steps. Let's be quick about this now. This is the one time you're allowed to run in church within reason, all right? Right here, over here on the steps. Just sit down. Yes, you're 12 and under. Come on over, Kyle. Don't be shy. Yeah. Come on, Grandma. You can bring them. <laughs> over there, over there on that side. Let's, let's put everybody on this side over here, okay? Man, there's lots of you. Come on, come on. Over here. Quick, run, scurry. That's it. Yeah, 12 and unders. I mean, this is a crew here. Maybe we can't all get there, yeah? And you can, like, crunch in, crunch in. Yeah. All right. Look at this group. <laughs> All right. All right. How was Christmas so far? Pretty good? Thumbs up if you thought Christmas was great. Thumbs up right here. Yeah? All right. Take a knee. Take a knee, guys. You're good. Yeah. Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? Huh? We have anybody else? Anybody else still coming? Take it. Yep. Take a knee. Oh. Yeah. That's right. Good. You keep an eye on that for us. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? All right. All right. Good. Thank you, Ben. You're a good man. All right. Hey, can I tell you a story? All right, I want you to look over here. There's a guy over here I want you to see. Let's see. See the guy right here with the beard and the tie? Right here, look at him. See him? That's Chuck. Yeah, okay, that's my boy. Now listen, I want to tell you a story. You see, when Chuck, he's all grown up now, was little like, this is Kyle, my grandson. Say hi, Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. Say hi, Beck. Yeah, he's real quiet. When Chuck was that size, Christmas was over with. It was like the first of the year. And I'm a pastor, right? So I went down to church, and I'm at my desk, and I'm working at my desk, and the telephone rang. So I answered the telephone, and guess who it was? Nope, it wasn't Chuck. It was, it was that's a good, good guess, though. It's a really good guess. It was my wife. And she says to me, hey, I think you're going to need to talk to Chuck, because we have a problem with Chuck. And I'm like, okay, put him on. So he gets on, and he's a little guy like that. He gets on, and he's just sobbing. He's just weeping. And here's what he says. <laughs> Dad, you've got to come home quick. Mom is taking the Christmas tree down, and you've got to stop her. You've got to stop her. And I'm like, I'll be right there. You tell her to wait and don't do anything till I get there. She's like, okay. And he hangs up the phone, and I got in my car. It wasn't very far home. And I drove home, and I came in, and he's just like looking like, what are we going to do? You know, mom's going to take the Christmas tree down. She's going to put all the lights away, and Christmas is over, and that's the saddest thing I know. And I said, well, you know, we, we need to do this. We need to help, Mom, because we got to, you know, the Christmas tree's going to get old. It's going to be a fire hazard, so we need to take it outside. And let's just, come on, Chuck, and help me take it outside. So he's like, okay. So we got the tree and we drug it outside, and we drug it through the snow, and we drug it out to the garden. And then I said, what kind of tree is this? And he said, the Christmas tree. I go, yeah, but, you know, what kind of a Christmas tree? He says, it's evergreen. Yeah. 
I said, you know what that reminds me? Evergreen reminds me that Jesus, when he came, Evergreen Christmas tree reminds me that Jesus, when he came, he came to live, to die, to give us life that will never end, eternal life, like the evergreen tree is evergreen. So I said, Chuck, I want you to think about that for a while and what fun we've had and how we celebrated that. And we're going to go ahead and burn our tree and get rid of it, okay? And, and, then, and then we'll pray and we'll thank God for our nice Christmas, okay? Would that be okay? He's like, okay, all right. So we lit our Christmas tree on fire, and the smoke went up in the sky. It was a lot of fun. And um, we, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And, and we lit our Christmas tree on fire, and we, we burned it up, and, and Chuck went back in the house, and, and Mom had hot chocolate ready for us, which kind of made it pretty good, you know. And so we had the hot chocolate. I don't know if you're like that, but do you ever feel like when Christmas gets over, you feel like, oh, that was so fun, and it's all over. You feel that way, a little bit sad, like, oh, we, we had candy and we had pie and we had cake and we had goodies and we had you know we had xbox connect and we had we had oh so many cool things we had a tree and we had lights and now it's all over with now here's a secret i want to tell you what do you do when you feel sad because the lights come down and the tree is put away and christmas is over and you'll feel sad what do you do i want to give you a little tip okay here's what you do look at my face very carefully okay here's what you do you just go ahead and do something Christmassy then. This is what I do, okay? If you want to, you can sing a Christmas carol in July, June, July, August, whenever. Or you can, what else do you do at Christmas time? You give gifts, yeah? Were you going to say that? What? Yeah, pray is a Christmassy thing to do, yeah? Because praying is talking to God. What would you do? Yes, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. Play with the toys, that's right. That's a Christmassy thing to do. What were you going to say? Clean your room. This is an angel who has fallen from heaven. Right there. Yes. She just made somebody proud. Did you hear that, Chuck? I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway yeah. You can do so. So, okay. So here's the deal. Okay. Here's the deal. I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to answer it. And the answer is going to be do something Christmassy. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. And the answer is going to be do something Christmassy. Okay. So here's the question. Okay. What do you do when you feel sad? Because Christmas is over. No, no, no. When you, when you answer a question, it has to be like thunderous, okay? What do you do when Christmas is over and you're feeling sad? Let's try that one more time, five times as loud, okay? Here we go. What do you do? Christmas is over and you're feeling kind of sad. That's pretty good. Can I have an elf up here? Yes, can I get an elf? There's more of you than I thought there were going to be, but this is my own personal elf on retainer, and he's going to give you a little something to sweeten my message today, okay? And after you get your little something, go ahead and head back to your seat. How about you give them a round of applause for their attention? That's a good group right there. (laughs) I have done things that I have regretted before. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but one of the things that I have done that I have never regretted at all is made a really big deal out of Christmas with the kids. As a matter of fact, what's going on, what happens now is since we've made such a big deal out of Christmas and we've enjoyed it so much and made such a big thing out of it, the one thing that I have noticed is that now the kids and the ones that are grown and they're starting their own homes and they're, they're doing their own thing, they do some of the same things that we did. They love the Lord. They're excited about his birth. 
They're making a big deal out of Christmas. So I kind of like that. I don't regret that at all. But I wonder how many of you have been tempted, like we sometimes are tempted. Have you been tempted that when the tree comes down and when the lights go off and when the decorations are put away and the parties are over, how many of you are tempted to feel a little bit melancholy? Raise your hand up. Now, how many of you are really happy because you can get back to life as usual? It's you, Grinches, I need to talk to today. Yeah. Yeah, so you knew how to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about that a little bit because I think Christmas is really a wonderful season of the year. And it's my job today to get one last, just to go to one last Christmas text and to give you one last Christmas reminder on this weekend. And that's my job. Christmas is a wonderful time. A wonderful time uh, for love and kind deeds. I was uh, over in South Bend, we did Christmas, and we were coming home from, and my brother-in-law knows I love coffee, my brother-in-law Bob, he says, hey, you know, if you're going across the toll road, there's a South Bend chocolate company on the toll road, and so I'm like, yeah, it'd be great, because they have good coffee and chocolate, and yeah, it's just a great combination, and, and so, and I'd be about halfway home at the time, maybe a third of the way home to where we lived at the time, and so I thought, that's what I'll do, so all the way on that hour from South Bend to 69, I'm thinking, coffee chocolate coffee chocolate i have a little smile in my soul over this you know and then when i get to 69 i realize that my brother-in-law was a little off that the that the place where the south bend chocolate company was a little beyond 69 and then the smile left my soul altogether i'm like oh i was so looking forward to that so i get off and i notice there's a mcdonald's that's open now it's christmas day it's christmas day and the, the mcdonald's is open so i think well i get a you know, a cup of coffee there, and I'm not going to have any chocolate, but uh, I get a cup of coffee. So we go to McDonald's. No kidding. I walk in McDonald's, and you're going to think I'm making this up, but this is the truth. I'm a pastor. I wouldn't lie to you. Um, I go in, and they're making Buckeyes. Yeah, they're making Buckeyes, which if you're uninitiated about that, they're very wonderful. And they're like peanut butter balls dipped in chocolate, and even Wolverines love them. And they're just great, you know. And so they're making these Buckeyes, and I'm like, what, what, you know, what? And the girls are back there like, shh, you know, don't tell anybody. I'm like, how much? They go, oh, no, we couldn't sell them. I go, it's Christmas. How about uh, you give them to me? And then I will make a generous donation to you. And they look at each other like, well, I guess we could do that. So they get a bunch of Buckeyes, and I gave them a generous donation, and I kind of go out to the car, and I'm like, <laughs> I went in and got Buckeyes. They're like, how did you do that? I go, it's Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's Christmas. It's cool stuff. Happen, even, you know, hardened souls kind of tend to do nice things at Christmas time. It's a spark of humanity. We've never seen man the way God intended for man to be, except in the person of Jesus Christ. But there is in every person that created Created by God. Christmas time, sometimes people do loving things. And that's what makes Christmas such a wonderful time of the year, you have to admit. And something else that happens at Christmas time that I love is secret giving. Sometimes we do our giving openly, but at Christmas especially, it's secret, right? You sneak around. You do all kinds of uh, sneaky, private things that nobody knows about. So you can surprise with your love. And you know that's a biblical thing. That's right. Matthew chapter 6 talks about that. Jesus, in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about giving. And he says, you know, when you give, give secretly. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And that was the whole idea of Nicholas of Myra, you know, that all the legends have come up about Santa Claus and all that from this guy, Nicholas of Myra. The story is that's what he was doing. He was giving giving secretly and became legendary by giving secretly. 
Secret giving is a, is a good Christmas thing to do. And that's one of the things that makes Christmas a lot of fun. I, I heard about a lady who was a single mom, and she went to the dentist, and she had her children's teeth taken care of, and they took a look at her, and then she's walking out, and she's doing that thing, you know, how you walk out, and you're in front of everybody, and there's the person that's dealing with the finances, and she's saying, well, you're going to need this and this and this and this and this, and it's going to cost $500 for your daughter. It's going to be this much, and for you it's going to be $500. And she says, okay, well, whatever my daughter needs, do it, and we'll work it out. But whatever I need, we're going to have to go without that because I just don't have $500. Well, she went home. And a few minutes after she got home, the phone rang. And they said, why don't we schedule you back in for an appointment to get your teeth fixed? Because there was a person in the lobby that heard your troubles, and they gave us a $500 donation. And they don't want you to know who they are, but they just want you to come back in and get that taken care of. Now, Christmas time came, and the same lady got a donation from the same person who at one time had also been a single mom, and it came through a church because she wanted to remain anonymous. Is that a cool story? And she loved hearing stories about how people did secret good works for other people, and Christmas brings that out of people, people giving, doing acts of love, people giving a secret gifts. But there's something else about Christmas that I love, and that is it's a beautiful time to come home. Am I right? For many of us, it's a beautiful time to come home, or it's a beautiful time to welcome people home. And maybe when the rest of the year you haven't been able to be together as much as you'd like to be, or maybe there are even things that come in and they kind of distance us in different ways, it's a great time to come home. One of the things I feel like I've influenced my children to do is have an ear for a good story. And my oldest son, Kyle, is with us, he and his family are with us today. It's only a story I want to tell you about something that happened over at his church on Christmas Eve, there's a woman in the church that hasn't been saved very long. Had kind of a rough background. And uh, she's enthused about the things of the Lord. But she didn't raise her kids to know the Lord. Didn't, didn't know the Lord at that time. And uh, this year her husband passed away. And so Kyle knew that it would be a difficult year for her without her husband. And he said to her, how are you doing? And she said, well, I'm uh, something special. She told him that something special was going to happen. That her daughter, who doesn't know the Lord, works at a bar in Petoskey, didn't want her to be alone on Christmas, so she rented a car, and she drove all the way to South Bend to be with her mom, and she was in the Christmas Eve service to hear about the Lord. Now, how can you not like Christmas when you hear about things like that, and you realize that there are people who are far from God, who hear the sweet story of Christ in such a beautiful way, I'm just sorry. I understand not liking that. As a matter of fact, I'm the kind of person that would like to see that happen all year long. And I want to talk to you about what you do when the tree comes down and when the lights go off and when you're tempted to melancholy or maybe you're just one of those grinchy kinds of people that says, well, I'm kind of glad it's over. I'm just going to move on. Well, I want to talk to you about Christmas one more time. So would you take your Bible and turn to one of the most beautiful Christmas texts in the whole world? Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2. And I want to look again at this beautiful and sacred, even poetic section of the Bible. The announcement of the angels to the shepherds of Jesus' birth and their response. It's found in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And let me just read to you from God's word this story once again. Now there were... In the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock 
by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, Lying in the manger. What's happened so far? Shepherds, unsuspecting, third shift workers, have no idea this is going to happen, are visited by an angel from heaven. Kind of unusual, would you agree? And of all the things for God to do, to, go, to send an angel to shepherds to tell that Jesus was born, how often have we wondered, why not the palace? Why not the wealthy? Why not the privileged? Why the shepherds? Why shepherds? And why so much ink here in Luke's gospel? But this is the way it is. What's happened so far? Dark night, watching their sheep by night, visited by a brilliant angel. Now the plot is going to thicken and something more is going to happen. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Can you just kind of try to imagine what it might have been like to, I mean, it's a shock enough to have an angel from heaven visit you and tell you that Messiah was born, he's not far away, but then to, be, to, to have the angel joined by an angelic host. We're talking, host is the word in the Bible for army. We're talking angel army here. And it doesn't say they're singing, but it says they're saying praise to God. And it is a multitude of the heavenly host. This must have been an incredible thing to see. A multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Okay, that would probably have been the highlight of their lives. Would you not agree? And then, you know, I've often thought about doing a, a, my, my wife told me I'm not allowed to do this, so I may not do it. Um, she, she, I talked to her about this, and she said, no, Ken. She gave me the look, you know. I don't do that. Yeah. So I'll just tell you what I would have done. Um, I've often fantasized about doing a first-person narrative message at Christmas time where I dress up. You're going to see this as a lame idea, and you're going to agree my wife is wise. Where I dress up like an old shepherd, and I tell the Christmas story from the point of view of the shepherd that grew up and looked at Jesus' life and death. And I thought it would be a good idea, but Lois didn't want me to embarrass myself. So, Anyway, uh, in as much as it was in my heart to do that, you know, that's, that's what I've often thought. What if you were that grown-up shepherd, and over those years you could say to your grandsons, let me tell you about something that happened to me one night. It's just unbelievable. Incredible. Clovis Chapel, an old uh, Methodist preacher who wrote many books that still exist today, he wrote, he wrote a Christmas message, a beautiful Christmas message, called this. And I borrowed the title because I liked it so much for you today. When the, angels, when the angels went away. When the angels went away. And that's what the scriptures say in verse 15. And so it was when the angels had gone away. Think about that. High point of your life, you have a sermon by an angel from heaven. And if you can uh, let us stretch this into a choir, you have an angel choir praising God. And then the angels go back to heaven. And then you're looking at each other going, it was just the pepperoni pizza. Hey, 
I didn't really see that. You know, our, our, it, was, it would have been a shock and, and um, amazing, and, and I'm sure they were convinced it was true. And, and the scriptures say, uh, it, so it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go, now go to Bethlehem. See this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they'd seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I don't know about you, I know I will never get tired of reading those words. I will never get tired of hearing that story. Our gracious God broke heaven open to come to earth. He sent angels to tell lowly shepherds that he was born. And the shepherds, when the angels went away and they were gone, they still went and they did what they were told to do and they were blessed. Think about that for a minute. Apply that in your heart, if you will, to this feeling that you get, this kind of heaviness that maybe we all feel a little bit when we put so much into Christmas. And it's such a meaningful time, and there's so many beautiful things that happen that are associated with it, and now it's over with. Well, take a lesson from the shepherds. When the angels went away, they still were celebrating the person of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. They were still talking about Jesus even after the angels went away. That day after Christmas when all we have left is kind of the the harsh reality of life as usual. Maybe we have a few more bills and certainly have a lot more wrapping paper. And we have that kind of nagging sense of maybe emptiness or or disappointment that Christmas is over. Or maybe we just were kind of like, we are buffering ourselves. We never really entered into the idea at all because we knew that we would be disappointed when it was over. Or maybe this Christmas is a whole lot different than you hoped that it would be. Or maybe you're alone this year or somebody who is very special to you is just not present this year or there's just heartache or there's sin or there's difficulty this year what then what then well let me suggest what i said i'm gonna say to you what i said to the kids i'm gonna say it in a grown-up way you can pick either message and take either one home depending on your mentality okay but here's the kind of grown-up way of saying it when you feel the heaviness in your soul over the disappointment of a big holiday passing do something Christmas. Do something loving. Do something kind. Think about that. Think the things that make Christmas special, you can still do them. Do some secret giving. You don't have to do all your secret giving at Christmas time. Go home to God. Invite other people. Matter of fact, if you spend your life, your 365, 24-7, inviting people home to God, and going home to God yourself over and over again, then is it really not Christmas all year long? If you spend 365 days of the year giving secretly, doing kind, loving deeds in Jesus' name, don't you really extend that spirit and the joy of that throughout the entire year? And isn't that really what it means to be a genuine Christian? The cultural Christian is the guy you've got to feel bad for. He doesn't really understand what it's all about. He doesn't really have the life of Jesus within him. He, he may not even know the Lord at all. It's the real Christian that celebrates Christmas every Sunday. And every day he exalts Christ. And every day he's faithful. When the angels go away, then the Christians step up and they take the ball and they go. Take a, take a, a lesson from the angels, if you will.
real Christians still love after Christmas is over. They still sing. They still worship. They still adore the baby when Christmas is over. Real Christians are that way. They, show, they still show hospitality, not just at Christmas time. Real Christians are constantly reminding people that the Father is longing for them to come home. And real Christians keep going home to the Father over and over again when they stray. Take a lesson from the shepherds. Take a lesson from Jesus. Jesus celebrated the Feast of Lights. It's a kind of interesting story. Jesus himself came to Jerusalem and celebrated Hanukkah, if you will, Feast of Lights. And during that time, a place that Jesus often would teach was the Solomon's Porch. During the Feast of Lights, they would light this menorah candles. They would, the, the, the light would grow every day of the feast. The light would grow. And there were huge candelabra, huge menorah in that place, six feet tall. Brilliant light. By the end of that celebration, there was brilliant light. And then the day after the celebration was over, the lights were out. I believe, Bible scholars believe, it was then that Jesus steps out on Solomon's porch. And in in John chapter 8 and verse 12, what does he say? I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Who, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will, he will have the light of life. Can you hear him now? Stepping out on the porch of heaven. He's watching us put away all of our Christmas decorations. He knows the melancholy that often visits the human spirit. He understands what's going on in our souls. He sees into the deepest part of our overshadowed souls. And he steps out on the edge of the darkness. And he says, not to worry. You still have the light because I am the light of the world. As long as you have Jesus, the lights will never come down. And then when he goes away, what does he say? You are the light of the world. And so he says to us, I don't want you just to celebrate light during the light celebration. I want you to live the light every day of the year. Take a lesson from our Savior. There's one more. You knew we would go here. This is where you normally go when you think about after Christmas. You have a wonderful story that's placed in the Gospels that's really an after Christmas story. You know how it is. We always put that uh, holy family, right? You have, that, they have the little baby Jesus, and you have Joseph, and you have Mary, and then you have shepherds. Usually we bring some angels into that you know, picture, and then you have the wise men. They're all right there. There's usually three of them. This is kind of extra biblical stuff, but that's how we do it, right? And they're there, and they're all visiting the little baby. And you guys know, you're biblically informed, and you know the wise men didn't visit the baby. They visited a young boy. And you know that they didn't come to a manger, but they came to a house. And so they may have started on his birth, but they didn't get there till later. The, the story about the wise men is a story about an, it's an after-Christmas story. It really is. It's an, it's an, it's an after-Jesus' birthday story. We could take a lesson from them, and we could continue to celebrate, couldn't we? Hey, last week I heard a guy named Darren Whitehead, a pastor, say something that I knew I'd have to pass along to you because he, he, he was saying what I feel so profoundly, and it's the heart of this whole series of messages that I've been trying to bring to you during the month of December about how to have a sanctified, holy, sacred Christmas. He said something like this. I don't want to mess up what he said, but it was something like this. He said Christmas is a really big, big thing. It's a big cosmic thing, if you will. It's not a little thing. He said, but we are all the time making Christmas small. We're all the time reducing Christmas. He said, let me suggest some ways that we take Christmas that's big and reduce it to small. He said, when you make Christmas secular, then you reduce Christmas from big to small. Isn't that right? 
People who only have a secular Christmas, well, that's not a big Christmas. That's a, that's a small thing. When you make Christmas just a sentimental time, and I think you can tell by paying attention to what I say, that I have a whole string, streak of that sentimentality in me. That's all good. But if Christmas is only sentimental to you, then you have reduced Christmas. Because Christmas is theological. Christmas is an awesome cosmic, wonderful, eternal thing started in eternity past and it goes out into eternity future. It is a big thing. It's not just a secular thing. It's not just a sentimental thing. If you make Christmas a selfish thing, then you're really going to be blue now. If it's about, you know, this is one thing we want to teach little people, isn't it? Because they're all excited about getting something and it's just natural. But when they grow up, what happens? They get excited about Christmas, but it changes, doesn't it? Unless they stay kind of in their you know, emotional childhood, what happens? They know what Jesus said is true. It's more, it's more blessed to give than receive. One of my favorite parts of Christmas, I don't want to embarrass anybody, is watching uh, my wife work. Something to see. I mean, she wants to have things nice. She wants to see to it. She's one of these kind of people that, you know, you have eight kids and they all have to have the exact same amount spent. I'm like, basically, throw some gifts at the kids. You know, they should be happy. They got a warm place to live. You know, just give them some stuff, you know. What in the world? She's like, no, we've got to spend $10 more on this one. You know, we, we had one, it was dance stuff. We bought dance stuff, and I thought it was going to be this much, and when we got it there, they, uh, they said it was discounted. I'm like, hey, we know what it was worth, you know? <laughs> She's like, no, 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 that's not what we spent. We spend the same amount on all the children. I'm like, oh, this is hard work. This is just hard work. Dan appreciated it, but it's just hard work. And, and when you're loving on people, it's... It, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's hard work. But the crazy thing is what Jesus said, it's quoted about Jesus in the book of Acts. He said it's more blessed to give than receive. And if you're grown up, you know that's true, don't you? Just something about watching somebody's eyes when you've given them something that's an expression of your love to them that's just so wonderful. It, someday I'm going to get there myself to where that's even more fun than getting something. Anyway, when you make, when you make Christmas secular, you shrink it. You shrivel it. You pervert it. When you make Christmas sentimental, you shrink it. When you make Christmas selfish, you, sh- you reduce it. And when you make Christmas seasonal, you're missing it. But when you keep doing Christmas things all year long, when you keep loving and you keep giving secretly, and most of all, when you keep going home to God over and over again, you keep going home to God no matter how far away you've gone. And when you dedicate, you dedicate your life to helping other people come home to God, then Christmas is always alive in your soul. It's always alive in your heart. So go ahead and take your tree down and put away your decorations. And you can say Christmas is over and you can stop playing your Christmas music, but don't ever stop doing Christmas things. Don't ever let that come out of your heart, your secret giving and your loving. And I say, blessed is the season that gathers the whole world into a grand conspiracy of love because that is the mission of the church of Jesus Christ, to make Christ known in a dark world. Would you join me on this? As an expression of that, I'd like you to sing a little chorus. You know it. Sing it with me. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born.